Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Hey, good to see you this morning. So glad you're here. By the way, if you're new here, uh, just a little bit about us. It is our mission at this church uh, to be a community of hope. Like, that's what we're shooting for. We want to be hope to a hurting world. In fact, it's interesting. God says to a community at the very beginning of time, he says, Hey, farmers, I want you to leave the edges of your field for the widow, the poor, the orphan, and the foreigner. In other words, I need you to leave the, fed, uh, the edges of the field. I need you to leave hope for those in need of hope. And so we've been asking this question as a community, what does it mean for us to be the edges to the community of Joliet? What does it mean for us to be hope to a world that's hurting? And so, by the way, one of the ways that we do that is through this thing called Hope Closet. Uh, if you aren't aware, uh, we clothe the community. Uh, we clothe anywhere from 100 to uh, upwards of 175 people every month for free. Uh, our church does that. We, we, it's called Hope Closet. Uh, it's interesting. It's free to the community, but it's not free to us because it costs us our time. Uh, the problem is, is we, we need more people to consider their time uh, worthy enough to share that with the community. Uh, we have very few volunteers that show up every month, and we need, we need a lot of people to make this thing happen. Uh, so at the beginning of the month, first Saturday of every month, we have what's called Hope Closet, and we would love for you to go on our website uh, under our Restore page. Restore is one of our values. Uh, you'll find Hope Closet, and you can register there for this coming month's um, event. And we clothe a lot of people. We pray with people. And, uh, man, we just meet people's basic needs, which, by the way, is giving hope. So, if you haven't been with us over the last 10 weeks, um, we have been in a series that's gone on forever, but man, we are so messy, we have a lot to address. So we've been addressing the mess of our lives. We have one week left, considering this one, and um, we've been in this series called The Good and Beautiful Life, and we've been in it so long because it, it's a struggle for so many of us to live a good and beautiful life. We struggle with, with doing things that are good and doing things that are beautiful, and so we've been in this series addressing the mess of our lives. Today is another day of that, and it's something that all of us struggle with. I don't care if you're a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a teenager, or you're 70. You struggle with what we're going to talk about today. So would you pray for me as we begin? Lord, we do give thanks for this opportunity to stand in your presence this morning, to worship you and to bring you glory. I pray that over the next few minutes, our ears would be open. Our minds will be present, and our hearts would be filled. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, his name was, his name was Sean. I wish you could meet Sean. Sean, was, he was tall. Uh, he had a really deep, raspy voice that I wish I had, deep, raspy vo voice. Uh, and he was a little rough on the exterior. And, and when you would meet Sean, you would notice that, that he had a, a gimpy leg, and he would, he would drag it as he'd walk. In fact, when he'd walk into the doors of our church, this is how he'd walk in. And his hands were just a little bit curled, you know? And if you didn't know Sean, you would think Sean had a stroke. But I wish that was like just the beginning of his story. In fact, there's more to Sean's story than just, just that. It's interesting. Sean was driving home one night. He was driving home, 
when he noticed off in the ditch there was a car that had gone off the road. But the problem was the car was on fire. So doing what most of us would do, he pulled over just to kind of observe and see what was going on. But then he did what most of us wouldn't do in, 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 in just the middle of fear. He decided that he would run because he noticed there were people in the car. He decided that he would run over and he would begin to pull people and extract people from this burning vehicle. And so in the middle, he's pulling bodies out. I mean, you never know when a car's going to blow up, when it's, you know, I've thrown a can of gasoline on the fire accidentally, and I tell you what, that's not pretty. Just a little bit goes a long way. Uh, but imagine a whole gas tank of a car. This car's on fire. He's pulling bodies out. And as he's pulling people out, he realizes, I need more help. I need more help. I can't do this on my own. And so Sean ran up to the road where he could get help. And as he was standing there, and he was desperately waving his arms back and forth, back and forth, just waving his arms, a trucker who was coming down the road, who either wasn't paying attention or didn't see Sean, literally ran right over him. Could you imagine pulling bodies from a fire, going to get help, and then being run over by a truck? So Sean was paralyzed. He broke his back. He had severe injuries, but he was alive. But, but you get it. You understand this. You've had pain in your life. You've had problems in your life. And then whenever we have pain or we have issues, we try to mask over it by, you know, Sean just went to alcohol and drugs. He did some hard drugs for a long time. Because the pain, the, the unbearable weight of knowing that, that like walking would be a struggle, just talking would be an issue for him. And people would look at him funny and goofy because he did look rough and he did look a bit weird. And he knew the rest of his life people would look at him differently. And so he used drugs. But then one day Sean met Jesus. I tell you what, it was, it was so cool. This guy comes to Jesus and he becomes one of the most passionate followers of Jesus I've ever met in my life. He started coming to our church and he just had a heart and passion for the gospel and he had a heart and passion for lost people like himself. I'll never forget one Sunday, it was so funny. The pastor was talking about a particular apartment complex and he wasn't trying to you know, grossly generalize a population that lived there, but he was trying to let the congregation know that like, these are hurting people that need help and he was fighting for the words to come up with to, to to say, and Sean says in the middle of the message, sitting like in the second row, like pastor struggling for the words to describe this community. And Sean says, yeah, like crackheads and all that stuff. <laughs> Except he didn't say stuff. And my teenagers, I was a youth pastor, he's looking at me. They're like, can he say that in church? And I'm like, if it's for the mission of Christ, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of funny. I was rolling. But that's just Sean's demeanor, and we love Sean. We loved him to death. But not everybody shared the same sentiment. You see, like, like most people, like we go from one addiction to the next, and you, you give up what you can, right? So Sean would still smoke. There's nothing wrong with that. Like You give up what you can, and he, he was doing that. And so he still smoked, which apparently was a problem for some people at this church we were attending. So I'm sitting in a board meeting one night, and... Sean's name comes up. We were attracting a lot of people who were rough around the edges, and a lot of people didn't like that because they were very churchy and very boring anyway. And um, so we're ta they start talking, and they're talking about Sean. And they're like, we don't like the fact that he smokes in front of the church when people are coming. What image does that give to, uh, to people when they show up at our church if he's out there smoking? 
So they decided to come up with a plan. Should we have a 15-foot policy or should we have like a half of a football field policy? Like there was a set of trees that was a half, half football field away. And they're like, well, we'll just send him down there and he can smoke down there. He'll be out of the way. But then the conversation, I thought it was bad enough already. We're sitting there talking about this guy. And, and I was just getting angry. I could tell my pastor was getting upset because he had a heart for lost people. And, and all of a sudden, some guy says, well, it's not even about the fact that he's smoking in front of the doors. He said, um, doesn't he know that smoking is bad for him? And then he said, um, and if he says that he's a Christian, I don't understand why he smokes anyway. Yeah, dear Lord, help us. Um, you know, I didn't have high blood pressure when I was young, but those kind of statements really make me want to get on some blood pressure medication. And I could tell at that point my pastor was angry. Angry. And this went on for about an hour. We're going to finish this story. But what was happening in that moment is our board, the people in the church were making judgments about Sean, and they didn't know anything about him at all. You ever been judged before? Somebody make a judgment about you that wasn't true, right? You've done this, you've shown up at an event and you didn't know the dress code and you show up overdressed or underdressed. Overdressed, they think you're a rich snob. Underdressed, they think you're a low life, you have no money and you're unambitious, right? People judge you based upon your profession, right? When I go out, people say, what do you do? I say, I organize a nonprofit. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because the minute I say I'm a pastor, they stop talking to me. Or they stop talking and using all the colorful language that I actually appreciate and be around. You know, I enjoy that. It's refreshing to me at times to be around that. And, and so they just stop and they quit being themselves and that annoys me. So I just say, I, run a, I help run a nonprofit. That's what I do. But you've done this, right? People make judgments about your profession. Maybe you work in a factory. Maybe you work at a fast food joint. Maybe you work at, uh, maybe, um, yeah, I mean, maybe you work there at a grocery store. And people just assume because you work there, because you work there, maybe you're not educated, or maybe you are a low life, or you aren't ambitious at all. I mean, that's the prejudgments. And you know what? When you work there, people talk down to you like they're better than you. Come on, anybody that works at a grocery store, you're putting food in the bags. You've had people talk down to you, making judgments like they're better than you are. But then we have people who own their own businesses, and we think, oh, well, hey, mom and dad just gave them a bunch of money. They're a spoiled brat, and... You know the judgments we make on people. It often happens with your past, right? We say around here, it's difficult to get past your past. And the reason why it's difficult to get past your past is because people 20 years ago that you knew don't want to get past your past. They think you're the same person 20 years ago. And you're not. And they make judgments about you based upon your past that, man, you're not, you're not like that anymore. Money, right? This is the big one we get judged on. If you save a lot, people judge and they say that you are cheap. If you spend a lot, then they say that you are like frivolous or that you are just a show-off. But wherever you are in life, you have been judged at some point. And you know the reason why we don't like judgments? Because we judgments do this. They say something about us. It's as if somebody is saying something about us that we don't know about ourselves. It's a misunderstanding, it's a misconception, it's an ill-perceived notion about your life that they think is true that is absolutely not true at all. And so it's interesting, we're, we're, we're going to talk about this today uh, because Jesus has a few things to say about judgment. 
And um, before, before we do that, though, I want you to understand who's writing this to us. There's this guy named Matthew who gives us this beautiful piece of literature uh, writing the words of Jesus. And it's interesting. Uh, we've been in this series and we've been looking at the book of Matthew because we're trying to center our lives on Jesus, centering him on the kingdom so we can live beautiful and good lives. And so what Matthew does is he like takes the greatest hits and he makes a playlist out of it. I don't know who you like, whether it's B.B. Uh, King or Michael Bolton, or I don't know who it is. I like N.F. So N.F., right? N.F. is a rapper. If you don't know who N.F. is, uh, you should check him out. It's a pitch right there for you. Anyway, it's, it's like Matthew's taking the greatest hits of Jesus, and he puts them in this two chapters. We call the Sermon on the Mount. I call it a TED Talk. That's really what it is. This is just great TED Talk. And he puts everything that Jesus has said over the course of his life and puts it in two chapters. And what's interesting about who Matthew writes to is Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. And you're like, why should that matter to me? Here's why. Because in their day, we've been over this. They live by the, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said. In fact, Jesus starts every TED Talk with, you've heard it said. Then he says, but I say unto you. And the you've heard it said is this. It's a law that has been passed down over time to these people. And you know what they do? You know what they do to people who don't know what to do when it comes to the law or do know what to do and they don't do what they're supposed to do? They excommunicate. They publicly humiliate. And they execute people. Yeah. Hey, you don't follow the law in our culture? Guess what we'll do? We'll excommunicate you, we'll publicly humiliate you, and we'll execute you on, on a good chance. We'll stone you to death. That'll be fun. And, and you know how they came about excommunicating people, judging people, pushing people out? You can only do that when you make judgments about somebody else's life. You can only do it when you make judgments about somebody else's life. And so there's this major problem that Jesus wants to address, not just in their lives, but he wants to address in our life. Because you struggle with it. I struggle with it. I don't care how much you say you don't judge people or you're not prejudiced. Guess what? We are in some way. So listen to what Jesus says. I love this. He says, do not judge. Or you too will be judged. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The reason why I love Jesus is that um, he practices what he preaches and what he teaches. You see, I love Jesus because this is the guy who has been given the most power and the most authority and the most like magical all-giving stuff that anybody could ever give. He was like the most powerful human being on the earth. And you know what you would do if you were the most powerful human being? Somebody made you mad, you'd zap them. You'd shoot them. You'd strike a lightning bolt. You'd kill them, right? You would. There's people that make you mad at work. You know what you'd do with them if you were the most powerful person in the world. But what's interesting, Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus doesn't come and say, I'm going to judge you. He rather says, I'm going to save you. In fact, one of the things that he says out of love is this. He says this. As for the person who hears the words of mine, but does not keep them. I need you to hear this. As for the person who hears my words, but they don't keep them. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Jewish people know what to do with these people. 
We kick them, we o-dog them, we beat them, we excommunicate them, and we kill them. That's what we do with people who do not keep the words of God. That's what we do to them. Jesus says, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but I came to save it. You ever had somebody, uh, you're trying to get somebody's attention, you need help, and you're talking to them, and you're asking them, maybe it's a friend, often it's with your children, or maybe even your students or your teenagers, you're talking to them, and they just walk off pretending like they never heard a word you said. What do you do in that moment? Right, there's a, there's a tendency for us to get pretty angry, and we begin to lodge, you know, just like lob grenade judgments at them, and we say, well, they must be deaf, or they must be an idiot, or they must be stupid, or they must be ignorant. Jesus says, people who hear my words and don't do them, I don't judge them. I'm here to help them. I'm here to save them. And what's interesting is people say, well, isn't that what God does? Isn't that what Jesus does? Listen to what he says next, because this is so important to the conversation. As he's talking to a bunch of people who keep the law and love the law and who love passing judgment on people, he says, you judge by human standards. I love that. You judge is the human standard. You judge, that's the human standard that so many of us live by. And he says, I pass judgment on no one. And then he says something that draws us into where Jesus is going for the rest of this. He says, but if I do judge, on the rare occasion that it happens, or if it ever does happen, it's likely to unhappen, but if it does, if I do judge, my decisions are true, check this out, because I am not alone. I love those last few words. I am not Alone. Do you know why that's so important? Do you know why he shares those words with people who tend to make judgments on other people's lives and don't mind killing them and getting rid of them because they don't follow what they're supposed to follow? The whole point is about proximity. See, contextually speaking, Jesus is actually talking about the Father's proximity to him. But the whole point he wants to make to the Pharisees is that when we judge, we do it from a distance. That when we judge, we do it from a distance. It's easy to lob grenades. It's easy to make judgments on people when they're far away. And so Jesus says this next, and then we've got some really fun stuff to discover. He says, uh, yeah, judging is this. It is a negative evaluation of others without standing in solidarity with them. Thanks, Ron. Forgot that. That's the most important part. Judging is a negative evaluation of others without standing in solidarity with them. It's all about distance. How far can I stay away from you? And then he says this. Because I think he doesn't think that we get it. Which typically when it comes to Jesus, his disciples didn't get it. Why would we get it? Uh, He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Some of you have heard this before. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. We are full of hypocrites, that's for sure. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I really like this. Now, I find it interesting at the very beginning that that we generally know what a speck of sawdust looks like. But when Jesus says the word plank, I'm like, 
okay, how big is that? How wide is that? How long is that? I mean, is it a telephone pole? Is it, I mean, what is it? The reason why I don't think he gives us a standard measurement is because it's different for everyone, but everyone has a plank. See, when Jesus talks about a plank, I wonder, is it, is it like this size? Is it like a little four by four? I don't know. Is it, is it a twig? You know, a little stick, something like this. This is my favorite just because I like hockey. Is it a hockey stick? I don't know. Is that planky enough for you? I don't know. I, I really wanted to capture what Jesus was saying today, and I don't do this often, but what if we actually used Jesus' words literally to help us understand where he was going? Can, can we do that today? I don't recommend that, but I'm going to do it today anyway. So here, here's, here's what I think Jesus is talking about. This is the closest thing I could find to a plank. Um, Darren, can I get your help? I called him out. Man. I hope I don't hit anything. Woo, man. All right, here we go. I love this idea. If you could come stand down there, that'd be really helpful. I'm going to just kind of tip this to you. If you could just hold the other end. Just because I made fun of the kids on the floor. That's true. He said he was going to take a nap today. All right, here we go. Man. All right, this is Jesus' first point. Literally, we're taking his words literally when it comes to the plank. What do you, what do you notice about this? Like, when there's a plank in your own eye, I can barely see Darren at the other end of it. No, that is, yeah, stand up, will you? But I can't see Darren. And the problem with this is I need Darren's help, but when we have a plank in our own eye, we can't recognize our own need for help. When you have this huge timber staring you in the face, and I can't see Darren if I'm looking out of this eye, you can't recognize. This is Jesus' first point. You can't recognize your own need for help. You, when I was in the, can, you, can you go for another minute or two? This is going to be the strongman contest. All right, here we go. When I was in the Army, I was an engineer. And I can remember one day we were sawing something, and I got a piece of sawdust in my eye. And I remember I had two guys, like, flushing my eye out, and it wasn't working. So they took me down to the EMT. And, man, you would have thought I was having, like, an aneurysm or something. I mean, like, I was getting brain surgery. They lay me on the table. They take off my jacket. One guy, like, pulls my eye open. Another guy squeezes, like, those 19, like, 90 water bottles of water in my eye. And the other guy is, like, you know, poking and prodding, trying to get the piece of sawdust out. And I was like, I mean, seriously, you would have thought brain surgery was, was happening at this point. All these people were, were helping me for a speck of sawdust. Now, imagine Jesus' point, like, I'm going down to the EMT with a speck of sawdust, and another guy's like, hey, man, uh, can you help this guy over here? He's got a speck of sawdust. You know, uh, <laughs> Sorry. You, you can sit right there. I need you again. But how absurd. Yeah, you can sit right there. How absurd that somebody would go down to the EMT with a ginormous plank or a telephone pole hanging out the side of their face and say, can you help this guy? He's got some sawdust in his eye. And that is the problem. See, we're so, so often we're trying to give help when we need to get help. We're out there trying to give help when we need to get help. 
And you're so busy telling people what's wrong with their problems. You're so busy telling others what they need to fix and what they need to do right. And you know the problem with that is you can't even see your own problems. So quit trying to give help and go ahead and get some help. So there's two problems with the plank. The first one is you can't recognize your own need for help. Here's the second. All right, Darren, I'm going to need you again. You put your cough drop in. You'll need it. And then I'll need about three more volunteers. Hey, students, come on. You, all, you guys are youthful. You can help me. You've got a lot of energy. Come on, Macy. Let's go. Come on, Macy. Come on up here. Darren, come on up. Yeah, you guys can come on up. Zoe, will you help me too, please? Come on, Zoe. All right, I need you just to stand at the end of the ladder, okay? Come on, here we go. Austin, thanks, buddy. All right, grab that other end there, Darren. So, so this is the other point that Jesus is trying to make to us today that I really like. Yeah, you guys stand together. Come on up here, right up in here. Yeah, yeah, come close. Now, say I got this plank in my eye, and Darren, I want to I wanna walk this way. Could you just rotate that end toward the congregation? What are you guys going to do as it comes near you, right? No, no, don't go down. Don't go down. See? Eye level. Here we go. What happens when it comes near you? Are you going to stand in the way? No, you're going to duck. Get out of the way. <laughs> you come back. Or, you know, you just swing this sucker around. I mean, you could take out so many people. Or, I love this. Come back this way, Darren, with me. If I'm trying to, if I'm coming at you, what are you going to do? If I'm coming at you guys, what are you going to do? You're going to duck. You're going to get out of the way. Right? Am I dangerous with this thing or what? Macy's staring at me like, no. All right, y'all go sit down. Thanks, buddy. See, when you are holding the plank, you are not only dangerous, but one thing I want you to notice is there is a distance that's created. There's a distance between you and other people that takes place. And when there's distance and when there's a gap, guess what? There's a lack of intimacy. There's a lack of connection. There's a lack of relationship. And so often... So often, we want to give help from a distance. We want to help from a distance. We want to just kind of throw it out there. But did you know the, dif the difference between hurting and helping is distance? The difference between hurting somebody and helping somebody is distance. And as long as you have the plank, that's, I mean, literally, as long as you are standing on the other side of this thing, people cannot get close to you, that you are dangerous, they can't be around you, you'll run them over, you'll take them out. And what happens eventually is you are all alone. You notice Jesus says, when I do make judgments, I'm not alone. If I make a judgment, I'm not alone. See, we tend to do it all alone. And then we wonder why people don't want to be around us. Because when you make judgments from a distance, nobody wants to be around you. And here are two things I know. Nobody likes being judged, and nobody wants to be alone. So I told you I'd take you back to that board meeting because it was really fun. I remember sitting there, uh, and I was, I don't know, in my late 20s, I don't know, um, very young. I still am young. I feel like I'm the same age. But I was sitting there in the middle of, of this conversation, and I'm listening for about an hour to these people just talk over and over and over about Sean, my good friend who I liked a lot. And, and the more they talked about him, the more angry I became. 
And so I was just praying, God, give me the right words, give me the right wisdom. And so in that moment, uh, after listening for some time, and youth pastors aren't supposed to speak up because, you know, we're like the low end on the totem pole, but I just felt like I needed to say something. And so the guy who said, I don't think, I don't think we should allow Sean to be smoking cigarettes outside, you know, was like, okay. You know, Sean is, uh, that's not good. That's not what good Christians do. That's how he talked to him. That's not good, what good Christians do. This is not a good representation of our people. And so I, I just looked at him and I said, do you know Sean? He said, no. I said, have you ever, you ever thought about listening to Sean's, have you ever heard Sean's story before? No. And then I asked him, I think, what was the most, like, pivotal question ever, the most important question. I said, do you have a relationship with them? No. And I'm not wise. I'm not smart. I'll show you my ACT score. I'm a big dummy. But in that moment, I said, if you want to speak into his life, if you want to earn the right to speak into his life, it starts with the relationship. That's where it starts. If you want to speak into his life, if you want to earn the right, then you better do it through a relationship. And this is what I want you to know when it comes to judging, right? We must learn to earn the right through relationship. And that's exactly right. The measure you use is the measure that will be given to you. You know, you know why that word so, that, that, that is so important? Who are the people that you allow to speak into your life when you've got problems? Who are the people that you go to most and you allow to correct you and to build you up in your life? They're people that you love. They're people that are family. They're people that you're connected to. They're people that you have a relationship with. So what makes you think in judging other people, you could give great advice, you can give great help by standing at a distance, not even knowing their story, not even understanding who they are, you think that you'll be able to help them. And what we do is we simply hurt them. Because there's no relationship. You must learn to earn the right through relationship. You want to judge people? Somebody makes you upset? You think you know a person? First question you should ask yourself is, do I know them? Do I have a relationship with them? That's where we start. I would say this to you too. Some of us feel alone. Not only, because, you ever notice the most judgmental people are some of the most, like, they just hate life. They just hate it. They don't want to live it. They don't want to be a part of it. They just judge and point. And it's because there is so much wrong in their own life. And I would just say this. If you feel alone, if you feel like you're angry, if you feel like you're constantly looking out at other people from a distance and you're making judgments about them and you feel empty, listen, it starts with Jesus. 
This is the good news today. I know some of you don't want the Jesus answer. I know you maybe don't believe in Jesus. But let me just say this. It starts with him. It starts with the one who says, I don't judge you. I've come to save you. And what you need is saved. You need new life. You need new excitement. You need a vibrancy within you that begins to call you out and begin to move you toward the purpose you were meant to live your entire life. But it starts with him. It starts with him. So, so here's what I need you to do. Um, we have these awesome little cards, and some of you are diligent about filling these out. I would say this. The bottom half tears off. Uh, pull these cards out, and I would say this today. If you would like to admit today that you spend most of your time judging other people and not joining them in the journey, I would, I would just dare you to let us know and check the box. You don't need to put your name on it. Well, if you can, but, uh, you know, we, we look at these. We don't pass these out for all the community to see. If you recognize that you need to earn the right to have a relationship with people before you begin to speak in their life, would you, would you mark that box? And if you think you're too good to fill this out, the chances are you probably need to fill this thing out. Maybe today, maybe today, you're saying, I can't do this on my own. I am tired of being alone. And I know that it starts with Jesus. And so today I'm making a commitment to follow him for the first time ever in my life. Would you let us know? We're not going to bombard you. We're not going to let everybody know. We just want to join you in the journey. You'll fill those out and you'll put them in the offering plate when it comes time. But for those of us who are following Christ and are doing the best we can, this week, let me challenge you. When, when you begin to feel this sense of judgment coming on, like, I think I know that person, you start by asking. Start by asking God, and, and it starts with a simple prayer that goes like this. Hey, give me insight into their life that I don't have. God, could you give me insight into their life so I can understand? And the second part of that is, give me the eyes to see them the way you see them. See, we, we like to point out people's brokenness when God comes and says, there's hope for you. So what if we start there? What if you see the good in people first before you begin to point out the bad things in their lives? Hey, you know what I appreciate about you? I appreciate your patience. I appreciate the way that you care for your wife or the way that you take care of your kids. Start there. Because that's the way God sees people. And then over time, as you speak words of life into them, it will afford you the opportunity to say, can I help you? Can I give you some help? Not from a distance, not from the space of a plank, but in solidarity with people who need it. That's my hope for you. Let me pray. Lord, we do give thanks for the joy of life that you've given us. This is a gift that you've given us. So I pray that we would not waste it, waste it on making judgments on other people but rather we would be called to bring life and goodness and hope to those who need it.
Jesus' name.